You're listening to the Our Eerie Podcast with Marty Wachuku, Lydia Laith, and Devana Paisley. This series will bring citizens, entrepreneurs, activists, politicians, artists, and thought leaders to the table for a frank discussion around societal issues facing our post-industrial city and the United States at large. Take a seat. As some of our listeners may be aware of, last week we were unpacking the incident that happened at Erie City Council in which a council member was insulted by another council member. Um, Liz Allen was called a nut and was called abroad, um, was told to shut it and shut her mouth uh, by a fellow council member, Ed Brzezinski. We kind of unpacked our initial reactions to that last week. Um, and then this uh, past week, uh, shortly after the release of that reaction in our episode, um, we had a, another opportunity to observe an Erie City Council meeting in which uh, we were hoping Council Member Ed Brzezinski would uh, potentially apologize for his comments, give some context maybe, or, or just, yeah, just apologize uh, for something that was just so glaringly inappropriate. Um, and I won't say that he did or he did not, uh, we'll just let, uh, let him speak for himself. We have some clips from the meeting of, uh, residents and other community members voicing their concerns, um, as well as, uh, council member Brzezinski's reaction to that and his apology or non-apology. Okay, Elsa. I would like to thank council members who do advocate for process and procedure because I agree it does take um, away from disagreements that could be had and rude behavior that could come from those disagreements. Um, uh, yeah, I'd like to see some apologies be made, some denouncing of that sort of misogynist and sexist behavior and speech. And going forward, you guys all need to do a better job. Um, I agree that some of the statements that were made at the beginning of this um, about you know publicly chastising the behavior, if you're gonna publicly display that kind of behavior, you need to, if you don't agree with it, you need to publicly say you don't agree with it. If it's happening and you're saying, hey, I'm sorry people are treating you like that behind closed doors, no one knows about it. So thank you for those of you. Thank you, Ruckus. Thank you for those of you who did say something to denounce that sort of behavior. Thank you. I've got to deal with these people and cats and dogs. <laughs> Jim Wirtz. Good morning, uh, City Council. Uh, thank you for the opportunity uh, to speak this morning. Uh, I echo uh, some of the previous speakers here uh, and would add that um, it seems odd that in 2020, uh, anyone would have to remind city council or, or any public body that the internet uh, serves as a welcome mat to our community. Uh, for most outsiders, many of whom may never make their way uh, to the city of Erie, uh, this is their first and depending on what they see and hear, uh, sometimes their last impression of Erie. 
um, in the wake of the 2020 elections, uh, when most of the world was watching Erie as the ultimate swing county in the United States, uh, the actions of some members of city council uh, changed the tone of that conversation from one of intrigue and awe to one of ridicule and shame. It's because the media outlets in Washington, D.C. picked up that Zoom confrontation uh, that's been mentioned so many times when one uh, councilman referred to a councilwoman as, quote, uh, a nut and abroad. Not only is such talk unbecoming of a member of council, uh, the chuckling and reactions of other members of council adds to the poor representation of the city, and it gives us all a bad name. Those of us that travel outside of Erie also spend a lot of time selling the community to people who don't know about its potential uh, and the future that many of us work for throughout the region. All of that goodwill is squandered when those same people see in their local news that Erie uh, is governed by uh, folks with uh, misogynistic attitudes toward their colleagues. And people can only assume that such views extend uh, to the community at large. In the course of any day, I spend a a good deal of time trying to answer people uh, who ask why they should still vote for Democrats in a city governed by Democrats that's struggling with population loss and decline. The words and actions of members of this council uh, often make those conversations more difficult. And uh, ultimately, the focus of those conversations becomes the future, uh, because it's clear that sometimes when our public officials speak, they speak only for the past. So the next time that the Chamber of Commerce fails to land a new business in Erie or the opportunity zones remain underinvested, uh, you can be sure that the faith of those investors is challenged by old words, old attitudes, and the old ideas they represent. Next year, Erie gets another shot at electing officials of substance who know better than to degrade their colleagues and members of the community in public or in private. The Democratic Party, uh, I assure you, will support candidates who believe in civility uh, and the future that comes uh, with uh, elected officials who represent the cities of Erie in a mindful and respectful manner. Uh, because we all uh, deserve better. Uh, thank you. Mr. Brzezinski. Yeah, no committee reports or anything like that. I thank the citizens that called in and are concerned. I'd also like to tell Mr. Wirtz to do his homework before he starts shooting his mouth off. Anyway, for my part in this whole craziness, my apology is sent out. But don't ever forget, kick the sleeping dog, you could get bit. So both sides are wrong on this thing. Uh, The broad comment was a terrible comment. I thought my mic was off when I was letting out some exhaustion, so to speak, frustration. But uh, hopefully we can bury that, move forward, uh, share ideas, and uh, be a better council next year. Thank you. And, <sighs> Again, long side. I think I did that last time. I need to take a deep breath, right? I think I was like, I didn't take a deep breath because again, I need to take a deep breath. Um, 
that was an apology. That was gaslighting again. But I'm gonna let y'all know. That's what I'm gonna let y'all know. It's gas. That was gaslighting at its finest. Um, <laughs> uh, you don't say, you know, I um, sorry for, you know, uh, if I did this. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it was just very. Um, well, he didn't even like. I don't even know if he said like sorry or like apologize actually yeah. for the the actual like insult and and the 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 horribleness of what he said but he like said like he thought his microphone was muted that yes no you know what as if that justifies it yeah like sorry I thought my microphone was muted oh I'm sorry you I'm sorry you heard my insult (laughs) I thought you weren't gonna hear my insult (laughs) that doesn't make it okay and then we both were in the wrong you was you were in the wrong like what do you mean like you were the one that was in the wrong you know, like, and for me, I just, it showed just the lack of responsibility again and a lack of uh, taking a, a lack of being um, aware that it was not about you. And again, it was made about you. And it, and it to me, it, the whole point was about the man that was supposed to be honored, but it seems like now it's about him. And that it was in, to me, that was really, it was, a, that, that was just shameful. I just can't. Shameful. Mm-hmm. It was really an embarrassing sight because beyond us, you know, reacting on here with this platform we have and um, on our own social media and the community reacted on social media. Mm-hmm. People wrote letters. People reached out to these individuals. There were emails sent. There were comments made. I know other organizations also, you know, mm-hmm. contacted council and the mayor's office. And for this to be their public response was the most embarrassing <laughs> yeah and disappointing they had more than a week to pull themselves together to write statements like you didn't even think to prepare anything right and it, it just shows you if you can't even perform or successfully do an apology for something that was so very public then of mm-hmm. course they don't get anything done on council or step up for like the issues that really matter they can't it's it's just it's it was a ridiculous sight to see, and even in um, Ed Brzezinski's response, I think if not the first thing he said or one of the first things he said was calling out one of the citizens who spoke out mm-hmm. and calling him out. I'll just call it, say who it was. It was um, Jim Wirtz, who's the chair of the Democratic Party. Instead of getting straight to his apology, he had to call out a specific right. member of the public and say, "You need to learn or what do, do, your, homework? do your homework." Your homework, which. If you hear the response that Jim did, he did his homework. So my sure. thing was like, what did you hear? Because he, I heard that he did his homework and he's telling you that what you did is shameful. Like, I don't understand. I, I y'all help me make it, sense, make it make wrong. sense. Right. No, well, and we were talking about this earlier that like, in my experience, the saying like, you just don't know enough or you need to do your homework or you haven't learned as much as I have is like the the typical mm-hmm. old white male cop-out for dealing with a disagreement. Rather than dealing with people as equals, they will just say, well, you should have done your homework or you should just learn better. Or if you were older and knew more, you'd think differently. Like, nah, like we know more. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, we probably know a lot more than you about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. We've done our homework. We know what's going on and we still disagree with you. So now deal with us as an equal, have to like shift your worldview and, and talk to us and engage with us. But like, you can't just shut down a conversation because you say, do your homework. Yeah. 
and and you're right because this is to me I feel like it's just more even more so about like common decency and just mm-hmm. kind of like uh um empathy like I it very it was it just really lacked empathy and mm-hmm. I I was looking at you know I'm sorry I was looking at poor Liz, council person Liz and I I felt bad I I really did I mean and maybe I'm just I don't know I I felt bad because I'm just like you know, in all of this situation, there was nothing that was rectified. And, you know, no. especially for her. And I, if I was supposed to be sitting on there as a team, um, mm-hmm. being a team player, I would feel like I could not trust anybody. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's in, and, and then when you see that, and as a citizen, personally, I feel like I can, they can't trust that you have our city at its, it's in its best interest if you cannot make these um, decisions that are of sound mind and in making the decision to not really address a situation that was super, super, super detrimental, um, not only to that person, but detrimental to just how we see city council to be um, is really sad. It's really sad because like I had said, like I said, we're moving forward as a a city trying to grow, um, but then you see our council having all these issues with just lack of concern for how you treat one another. That to me is interesting. Mm-hmm. I've never, I just can't, I don't even understand why this is happening. <laughs> In my opinion, um, most of them lacked any kind of empath- empathy because even when they were addressing the situation and being kind of forced by the public to address the situation, very few of them actually addressed Liz Allen directly yes. and their lack of um lack of any kind of action in the moment that it happened. In fact, um, one of the council members um, kind of chastised, I don't know if you want to call it chastised, the public for, you know, making such a big deal about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Thinking, letting it play out in the media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let <laughs> it play out. Well, if it happens public, how will we know um, that you were saying anything privately? Well, that doesn't matter to us as, you right. know, people viewing it from whether it was live or later on, we don't know where you stand because you did not speak publicly. And for that to be like your main point was kind of disappointing. I will give credit where credit is due. I think um, Councilman Brennan did an okay job. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much about him, but I was super impressed by, and maybe it's just because I had such low expectations for anyone's response. But like when he was talking, I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. like that's an adult appropriate response to the bullshit that this all was mm-hmm. and unfortunately it's kind of bad it's kind of it, not bad unfortunately it's sad that we can't see the beauty of some of the people that are sitting on that city council because of these things happening mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? because yeah. some people taking uh um the light and from mm-hmm. other uh situations that need to be happening like that situation with but uh that brzezinski um with him you know making the remarks towards um, Liz was Miss Liz Allen was not it didn't it didn't even have he didn't have to do that it mm-hmm. took away from just the whole point of what they were talking about anyway mm-hmm. but there's so many there's I, I mean yeah there's so many people on there that we could be um, um right. but I'm glad it happened because when we as people who like, you know, pay attention to council or even if we don't make it to every single meeting are just kind of aware of their characters and things. Mm-hmm. When we talk about needing change for the city, mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to make it really tangible because, yeah. you know, you might not agree with the way they vote on a certain thing or this, but to see their behavior made it very clear to people that these people do not, you know, stand for anyone, let alone their own colleagues. Yeah. 
And I, I agree. I agree with that. You know, the one thing that really stood out to me too in that whole city council meeting, and I, I really encourage, you know, the community, I get it. I sometimes know that city council meetings are the last thing that we want to attend, but I'm just going to encourage people, please try to watch them on YouTube. It's super important to know what's going on. Um, and, you know, just with that being said, like I look at a lot of the city council members that are sitting on there and, you know, they made a couple of remarks saying, well, I'm not, uh, a politician, right? And I'm not um, one that, you know, this is, I, I'm not political. I'm not this, I'm not that. You're up there, you're a politician. You're sitting in that seat. Mm -hmm. You were voted, people voted for you. They put people you- People trusted you. You are a politician. I know that, that because even me, I, I used to think about, well, I'm not a politician. I'm not, you know, I get it because there's this word, that word has become mm -hmm. very saturated with so many different narratives that people have painted for it. But when you are putting yourself in a public space, when you are putting yourself out there and saying, I want to be in these positions, you have to know that you're for, it's for the community. So mm -hmm. you are a politician, whether you like it or not. And mm -hmm. I think that you have to be in that role and be in that role fully. And if you don't mm -hmm. want to be in that role, then you need to go on head to the side and sit somewhere else and say, I can't do this. Have the humility to say that and have the honesty with yourself to say that. But for you to sit up people, because I, I will say, I think it was one of the city council members, can't even remember his name. Um, no, nah, it was uh, council person Winarski who said, well, I'm not a politician because somebody else had said it. Y'all need to stop painting that narrative. Then you need to, then not, you need to sit down because that job is, I know that job is probably not hard, not easy. It's not easy to sit up there and be reprimanded probably by people and, and being, you know, you know, ridiculed like that. But at the end of the day, you put yourself in that space. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, what are you going to do? How are you going to, you know, justify some of the things that you're doing? How are you going to rectify some of the choices that you've made? I know it's mm -hmm. hard, but don't be in leadership positions then. I mean, at the core definition, and this is me going off of my what poli sci 101 but i believe the definition of like politics is like the the district like the decision making between the distribution of resources mm -hmm. so if you don't want to have that kind of responsibility don't put yourself up there that comes with the title being a politician yeah we associate it with being swarmy and gross but that's because yes. we have individuals like yourselves that don't take things seriously and talk any way you want to people Mm -hmm. as the examples of what people do in leadership mm. politics politics does not have to be this way mm -mm. politics maybe has always been this way because of the people who have always run for office yes but you know a lot like Lydia said last time a lot of the people that we're talking to on the show a lot of the people who are listening you are mm -hmm. the kind of people who can mm -hmm. run for office and make real change yes mm -hmm. don't be afraid of the title of being a politician if you really care about people and you believe you can make the right decisions about making sure certain resources go to the community in the way that they need to then you belong up there not Absolutely. these people who are up there worried about mm -hmm. i don't know naming streets after people or yeah. random yeah. just saving face like uh, so much of this just feels like wanting to avoid conflict. Even in what Ed Brzezinski said, he said something like, well, I hope we can just bury this. Like, no. he doesn't want to take accountability for it or unpack any of the systemic, sexist, misogynistic, and, and all then the issues are related to that, right? Racist, classist, ableist, mm -hmm. homophobic, like the, all these issues are interconnected. And if you just want to bury this one issue, then that probably means you want to bury all the issues and you don't want to talk about any of it. And to me, that is hugely concerning for a community that's trying to like grow and try to frame themselves as a welcoming city, which 
quite frankly, the mayor said something that was pretty freaking similar to what Ed Brzezinski said about burying the issue. Mm -hmm. So in the mayor's response during a, a separate clip, he said uh, something to the effect of, I appreciate every count, uh, what every like council person is doing. The only thing I'd like to say is I would like to thank Ed Betza, who apparently he, he didn't realize Ed Betza and Ed Brzezinski are two different people that, yeah. uh, that he'd like to thank Ed Betza for apologizing to Liz Allen, which as we know, was not quite an apology. Uh, that I hope this gives us the opportunity to move forward with a much more mutual, respectful way of doing business in this city. And was correct. And, yeah. And and we tried to reach out to the mayor to try to talk to him because he wasn't in this this bigger meeting in the aftermath where Ed Brzezinski, quote unquote, apologized. Uh, we tried to reach out to the mayor to talk to him more. Um, and we have not heard back from him. No I, mean, I watched I watched I didn't watch it live when it was happening but I watched the um, meeting to the entirety and at the end he was there he did speak but he did make that slip up about um accepting mm -hmm. the apology from Ed Betza Betza is the solicitor for the city so and when as soon as I heard that it was like that's how seriously you're taking this issue that you don't even know who the person you are addressing you don't care you're just kind of making some type of formal statement and like who are you to also accept the apology on behalf of councilman Liz Allen and you're not even on top of the fact that you're not even a lawmaker maybe we can be like okay if he had done a proper statement but um Brzezinski we could be like okay as a woman I feel like he actually addressed the situation and you know yeah. you can accept this apology you were, were not one Liz Allen to accept the apology two you're not paying attention to who even gave the apology and three he didn't make any kind of statement as to what Brzezinski was apologizing for. He didn't condemn the behavior that led to this whole fiasco. Right. Yeah. Or take accountability for his silence in the initial incident. Either. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. That to me was just as concerning. All these people that stayed silent and the only person that I heard become accountable for that was that Brennan guy. Right. Yeah, that, like don't. He was the only one that said, you know what? I should have said something. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate to put it kind of, I don't know why I literally just thought about like kids, like if you don't address an issue, it's going to become a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. So my thing is like, you're right. When it came to addressing the fact that you need to have apologized for these direct statements, that mm -hmm. way, you know, I'm telling you, this is not right. Like, and you're right. Like, I, I don't know why I'm putting that with a little kid because it really it's kind of like when a, your kid does wrong, right? And you're reprimanding them for something, you're not just going to ignore the behavior, right? If you ignore the behavior, that behavior is going to continue to happen. I'm not a therapist, but I'm just, that's uh, right. A child would have made a better apology. Like if we had had a class of kindergartners <laughs> witness this, they could have told you all the ways that this was not any kind of proper apology by any right. individual there or by the body itself. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. So uh, it's, oh, wow. There's just so much to unpack. And you know, the thing is too, Marty, I did not, I didn't, even think about it like that. Like I didn't think about the ex the apology being taken and accepted for mm -hmm. a person that it was supposed to be for. That is interesting. I didn't even look at that. And it just shows the different perspectives and the different things that people feel when something happens. Like we all looked at that, right? And we, and not just us three having our own perspectives, but then on top of that, everybody have their own, has their own perspective and their own way that they looked at this and viewed that. And I just, I'm all, I'm I'm really interested to hear more of the community of what they feel mm -hmm. and what they think. So I would just want people to comment under like, what did you feel during mm -hmm. this? Did you feel like the situation was rectified? Did you feel like 
you know, did you feel upset? Do you need to continue to make this issue known to city council and to the mayor that you do not like the do not do not like this type of leadership? Mm-hmm. Then please, we got something to do about it. Mm-hmm. And next year we will do something about it. And so yeah. please. Right. Please right. Well, and and to just circle back to what Marty said, like it, the people we're talking to, the people that are listening, like are all potentially much more qualified to do the work of Erie City Council than some of these people on there. Clearly, clearly. Um, and so, you know, again, and I think we said this last week, but like in your conversations or in your own experiences, like pay attention to who stands out and who can be a leader. And, and you know, in a little bit, we'll be talking to Mabel Howard from Se- uh, Cafe 710. And she knows the people she talks about knowing the people and the importance of if you're going to try to lead the community you have to know the community and and we really will be unpacking that more but just that idea of like leaders have to come from the community and if you're so disconnected from the community that you're going to talk it uh several decades behind us or if you're going to not be accountable for your actions like then you're you don't represent this community and and so yeah we're just in a little bit we'll come back and and we'll be talking to Mabel Howard and you'll just get to you'll have an opportunity to hear a real leader talk Mabel Howard here today with us um, from Cafe 710. I mean, she's a woman that wears many hats. So Mabel, you can introduce yourself and let us know what you do for the community. Okay, um, so hmm, where shall I start? I think I'll start with Cafe 710. (laughs) So um, Cafe 710 is the newest project that I'm working on and we have a small cafe in downtown Erie. Um, The reason that we decided to have a cafe, the cafe is actually a gift to my mom and the name 710, like 710 is actually her birthday. So um, I thought about how do I schedule my mom into um, my weekly regimen? So I thought if I created a business that she would have to show up to and that I would also show up to. (laughs) That would be the best way to do it. My mom actually has a passion for cooking and most recently she's really fell in love with baking. So I used to spend all of my downtime in different cafes, Um, all the cafes around town, specifically like Barnes and Noble. And um, I thought if I mesh those two passions together by opening our own cafe, it just makes sense that I can spend time with my mom, um, we can bounce ideas off each other, and then also make some money um, while doing those things together. So um, as you guys probably can hear, um, I really love my mom. <laughs> so That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. I like that you're also, it's very intentional where you're at because you're also on West 10th Street which is also like, I don't know, I just thought that was cool. It's like, that's cool that her space is also this, the name of the place. So yeah, so um, sorry to cut you off there, but oh. so what happened is like, 
literally my mom and I were actually playing bingo actually. And I was, um, had this business plan I was working on as we were playing bingo. And I looked, I went to look for different spaces in town. And the first thing to pop up was seven West 10th street. So I'm like, this is the place I felt like I don't even need to look any further and I don't even have to visit the spot. Like it's the first place to come up that I'm looking at all of Erie. So um, we went, I went down to visit the space, checked it out and decided like we can make something happen here. Um, our current location used to be like a soap shop. So she had a totally different vision. So I came in, um, checked out the different paints. <laughs> the name of the paint that I even picked out is called Baker's Bread. And that's one of my mom's signature products is a Baker's Bread. <laughs> so everything just fell together very nicely, like very pleasantly, even the person that we work with, the people that helped us to get started, even the individual that helped to um, create our space, like bring my vision to life. And then when I was able to bring my mom down for her first tour of the space, she's like, oh, you're not just talking about this cafe, you're really going to do something. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, mom, I just want to make sure this space is going to work for you. So um, she said, yes, uh, signed paperwork. And we've been going ever since. That just filled my heart so much, like, because that just felt so divine. And I really want to go back to that story, because I think that's super important, because I really kind of want, I really personally want to start with even just you saying that you wanted to start this, like, that's a process. So even beginning, did you put that down on paper? Like how, what, what, what did that, what were those, some of the steps that you felt got you to the point where you're at now? So, um, so I have been blessed to be around business people my entire life. My mom is an entrepreneur. So we've always had a business of some type, um, specifically for the probably over 25, now 35 years, we've always had a fitness and health business. So I've always known like the platform and the basics about getting started with the business. Um, this is a new sector. We're actually the first African-American coffee shop in town. Mm-hmm. So, um, so as I told you <laughs> before, I've been spending all my time in cafes. So I've been, in a sense, studying the atmosphere mm. as a martial artist. I'm a, I received my black belt in May of 1997. So I, I learned to be in tune with the atmosphere no matter where I am at all times. So not even when I started to visit cafes, my purpose or intention was not to ever open one. I just enjoyed the atmosphere, the space. Um, what I noticed specifically about Barnes and Noble is I never really saw many African-American or any diverse or mm -hmm. other cultures <laughs> there that um, reflected myself. So at that point, I started to decide like, how can I create a space, uh, you know, a space that would welcome people that I don't see here. Um, I'm in a coffee shop. I'm in a place where people are enjoying baked goods and I'm surrounded by information. Like that's where everyone needs to be. So even though our cafe is small right now, I'm like my vision is to make it a larger place. And um, my larger vision is to have an inner city cafe that would really be catered towards the needs of all cultures. Yes. Uh, I love that's that. super cool. I that's love that. Cool. You're called a cafe, but I feel like what makes you stand out amongst all the other cafes in town are your baked goods. Mm -hmm. They're so delicious. I regularly get the banana peanut butter and chocolate bread. Is that what you call it? 
Yes. You're going to get rewarded by my mom for saying the combination correct. I wow. did. Oh, my God. I've had it enough times. I better. Um, <laughs> so, um, that, that's funny that you would say that. So even the first article that we had, like um, by the Times News, like they categorized us as bakery. So yes, we are known for the description even on our business card is extraordinary baked goods. <laughs> so um, that is like our main thing because, and coffee is definitely in the background. So our goal was to serve extraordinary made from scratch baked goods that are made with love and served with a smile. So um, we learned about coffee because we're not actually coffee drinkers in the midst of having the bake shop. So the bakery really is, you know, in front and that is our highlight and our specialty. I love that. I love that. I'm going to say it a lot, but if you have not been there to get anything baked, you need to go correct yourself now. Yeah. <laughs> get some baked. I got mine today. I got mine today. Yeah. And I was welcome with a smile. So she does. <laughs> well, I, I can tell because she had her mask on, obviously, but I was welcome because her eyes definitely. <laughs> so I, I saw that that was a smile. Oh. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. But wow, that's dope. I'm, I really want to know more about the bakery <laughs> like hmm so um so my mom's been baking her entire life uh literally my grandma used to bake pies and all different kinds of stuff for the church and my mom was right there with her during that period of time I think my mom said she started running the church kitchen at the age of 12 like herself she was in charge and she would teach like the older women <laughs> how to make some of these things that you know her mom has taught her and or my grandma didn't have to be by herself because she did a lot of work for the church, but my grandma had, you know, 10 boys and five girls to raise at home <laughs> with my grandpa. So they had a very large family, but she believed in the importance of helping the church, like the extension of your family. And I believe that's, that was seeded into my mom. And then through my mom, that has led to me like on a different um, in a different way and on a different scale, like we believe in the importance of just taking care of community because we're not just meant here to take care of ourselves. Like it's all about helping other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Gosh, you can say that again. I mean, such a great message, but I also feel like sometimes so lacking, especially from like entrepreneurs. And I don't, I mean, I don't mean that like negative. I just, sometimes I think when people get into business, they can lose sight of like why they get started. And so that's really cool to hear yeah. kind of those roots. And that makes sense because what I'm hearing too, Mabel, is from, you know, the perspective of really wanting to honor your, your mother in this. And I, I really admire that because um, there's, we're, we're in a time where women are on the forefront of so many things like social change, community. And hearing you say that you're, you're starting this space um, and you started this space in honor of your mother, it almost makes me, it brings me to tears because of course we, we really need to honor our parents and honoring our mothers, are su it's super important because they are the matriarch and they are what's continuing on. You know, you're continuing on that tradition that you can pass on, like you said, to the community and that you can pass on to your family. So I just, I admire that because it's real deep when you think about it. You, and then you, you have a purpose and your business has a purpose. And I feel like businesses that have purpose like that like which with Lydia is talking about is it's going to make it flourish and it's going to make it just like, you know, I, I just, are you staying in your lane and you're staying with what's true to you? And I, I appreciate that. It feels good. It feels very good. Thank you very much. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. So then can you tell us a little bit more about the other things? So we know you do a thousand things in the community. It doesn't just stop here. Right. So like, can you tell us a little bit more? Yes. So I am, where should I head next? (laughs) Wait, first off, are you from Erie? I I mean, this, what's up? What about you? Because we're talking about your mother. We're talking about your space. So <laughs> sorry, I can't help it. Let's love talk about, about you. <laughs> yes. So you know, are you from Erie? Like, where? You know what I'm saying? That's my. That's my. Yes. Um, so um, we're one of the largest families in Erie. So yes, I am from Erie. Um, I've been here my whole life, and I've only visited like two major places. I've been in New York City and to California. Um, I when I moved to actually I moved to California, and I worked with my uncle Billy Blanks. He's the creator of Tybo. Yes, I know Billy Blake. (laughs) And worked with him for an entire summer. My uncle wanted me to come and stay there because at that point, like health and wellness was my only sector. Like everything that I I dealt with around that point in my life was health and wellness. And that's actually up until very recently. But what I learned about some of those other places is there's no place like home. So I know what it's like to be in a place like at a business where everyone that walks through the door is a millionaire. And I know what it feels like to work in a space where everyone that walks through the door is not able to pay for services. And it's always been like within my heart to work for people that come through the door that aren't able to pay for services when it came to health and wellness. One of those reasons is because it's always been a door that was open for me. Like I never had to worry about how to pay for martial arts lessons how to pay for um, aerobics or Taekwondo classes. Like I never had to worry about those things because they were provided to me. One, because my mom was the instructor, um, but two, because everyone should have access to yeah. health, like access to have, having a healthy and active lifestyle. So mm-hmm. my mom and I have spent, actually in 1992, May of 92, my mom opened a, gym on the lower west side and I was 14 at the time my mom got really sick like a with a within a year of the business and um, I had to learn to take over the business at a, a very young age so like at the age of 14 I would go to school and head to cheerleading practice and then right from there I had to head right to the studio and figure out how to teach Taekwondo and fitness and all the classes my mom was offering. She was teaching at that point, step aerobics, aerobics. And then she started like um, cardio aerobics, like before Taibo came officially to the market, she started karate and aerobics together here in Erie. So I had to figure out how to make things happen, keep the clients coming and um, just keep my mom motivated and knowing that she would become, you know, healthier and able to do all the things that she did before um, she was not able during that downtime. So um, I've always had access. My mom always showed like open doors, like when people come in and they're, they're not able to afford or pay for things, then you're supposed to help because you're just sharing your gift. So my mom showed me that I've always seen that. So it's just naturally, it's very natural for me, almost like breathing, I would say. Like, just take care of people because you are always going to be taken care of because you're doing that. Oh, yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Like, and the law of attraction or like, just like that idea of like you or you're putting good things out into the world and it's going to come back to you. And Mm -hmm. yes, powerful. Mm -hmm. 
I like that. And not always having to look at the dollar. I like that. And also, I, I mean, I think in communities, I like the idea of too of barter and trade. So like, you know, trading your gifts. So at this point, like you're, I feel like that's also a trading of gifts in that sort you've been cultivating in your space. So that's, I think we need to be bringing that back. I know everybody's worried about the dollar, but I'm down with like even sharing like you, okay, you're doing Taibo, like share something else with me, a class, or I don't know. I think that we should bring that back. Yes, we should totally like if ever, because obviously everyone was born with a gift of some type. If everyone was willing to, um, like you said, just trade in or make it like, if there was even a space that people could actually come to just for their gift mm -hmm. and share it with the community based on interest, like everyone would be rewarded. You would have the opportunity to do something that you love and then you'd be able to reach people that are looking for exactly what you offer. So just be yeah. a beautiful thing. Yes. Yes. Hmm. When we talked earlier today, we were talking about the gift of like warmth and protection from the cold to tell the folks about the thing you've been doing for the last few years with the gloves yes. and now the socks. Yes. So, um, so switching over to another hat. <laughs> so I'm the executive director of Bethany Outreach Center. So Bethany Outreach Center is a nonprofit organization in Erie that focuses on service servicing the Lower East Side neighborhoods. And our like our mission is literally to provide hope to people in need. The three sectors that um, I've fine-tuned fine -tuned our services to are um, food. So we have a food pantry, clothing, and then education with an emphasis on literacy. So um, with that in mind, it's important for any business or nonprofit to stay in the news. So um, I know you guys know about that based on podcasts and what you have a passion for, but the importance of staying in the news to let people know what you're doing, what people need and how they can help. So I came up with um, the glove drive like a couple, yeah, a few years ago, this is year three. So three years ago, I started a campaign called Got Gloves. And I used to go to the different schools, just the kids that are walking by the center, you literally see kids with no, no gloves or one glove or just wondering what's happening. And I walk through Dollar Tree because it's one of my favorite stores. And I look at the gloves that they have and I'm often just buying gloves. They're a dollar and they're all so comfortable. So I always wear Dollar Tree gloves. And I'm thinking like every week, what if I bought like five pair of gloves every week? because a lot of people waste money, but so $5 is really nothing. But what if I bought five pair of gloves every single week and then just passed them out to kids and families that just don't have them? And then I thought about, let me ask some of my friends to do the same thing. So I just challenged myself to like, let's, let's cover a thousand pairs of hands like year one. And then like the news um, got wind of what I was doing along with some of the um, private schools and they wanted to know how they could help so it was easy to make my thousand goal thousand pairs of hands goal so I thought year two I got a phone call from the times news and they wanted to know like how can we help you with your glove drive like before I even started the glove drive they were reaching out to me <laughs> so I'm like so what I said to them is last year I, I asked for a thousand pair of gloves but I know you have an incredible reach so I'm gonna increase that to two thousand <laughs> so um it's just been, it's been amazing. Like people want to help other people. They just want to know how can they help? Yes. So I feel as if I'm like that, I'm the middle person. Like I connect the, the haves with the have nots 
And then I bring them together to a happy place. Like the people that maybe donate money or gloves to me, like they may never meet the people that are benefiting from it, but I'm able to be the voice of the community um, that are, that's not able to ask for help. And I'm able to tell their story with enough compassion to convince people to want to help. So um, that's the beginning of the <laughs> Got Gloves campaign and why I'll continue that on forever. The goal is to eventually cover all the hands of every family and individual that is in need. Um, so I will increase every single year. <laughs> um, as far as the socks campaign, that's something new that came to me. So I used to watch Shark Tank. Like, are you guys lovers of Shark Tank? Oh my gosh, yes, I love Shark Tank. <laughs> okay, so I've been watching Shark Tank since the first episode. Like, I'm like wow, a you know Shark Tank. So um, on Shark Tank, that used to be like my Friday night thing with me and a very um, close friend of mine. And we used to watch Shark Tank every Friday, have food, and then he would like ask me uh, questions, like kind of question me throughout the show, like how I, how would I um, present like my case to them when it's my opportunity, mm. which is coming soon, ladies. Um, so, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> so on there, I saw Bombas, like Bombas, this campaign, like someone introduced, like their goal was to create these socks. So they created these socks, but their mission was it's buy a pair, give a pair. So it's buy a pair, give a pair to a person in need, specifically to people that live in homelessness, because um, socks are the number one item that's asked for for every shelter. So this group, like the Bombas Inventors, came up with this. And then the moment I watched that show, I'm like, I'm going to work with those guys one day. So I'm like, not only am I going to work with them directly, but I'm going to do something similar to what they're doing. So now I am personally working with them directly. I received my first donation of 3,250 pairs of socks to contribute to the community. And the goal is just to keep big, getting bigger and better. Like I, today I'm working at the cafe and one of my friends from Facebook, like the, I hadn't seen them in years because I met them from the health and wellness field, but she's like, I've been watching you on Facebook and seeing all the stuff that you're doing. She's like, so I woke up today, went shopping and she had these two giant bags of socks and also gloves for me. <laughs> so she's like, I want to help in any way that I can. And then, so I get those kind of phone calls all the time. So it's not about like helping me directly, but it's just knowing that I can help this girl that's been helping people the whole time and feel not feel good about it that they're doing something good but like do it from their heart they're yeah. doing it from the heart i'm doing it from the heart and then we all know that we're really helping people with the you know it's the very basic essentials but it's things that people really need so yeah, yeah. and that's the, all, that's all about the warm <laughs> yes. i love that that's congratulations and i did see that episode and on, yes and on so that's that's dope and I was going to say something else, but I'm, I'm like floored actually at this point. I don't even, that's, that's good. What is it you call, you call it manifesting it? You said it was, you're going to work with them and then look yes. at where you are now. Yes. yes absolutely. I love that's that word manifest because yes. I really love like the power, like of words, speak things into existence. Like I, I feel and believe that's what you guys did with this podcast. Yes. And like, you probably thought like, what are the right people to bring together so we can put, you know, mesh 
in different ways. And like, I feel like that energy when I'm speaking with you guys and learning more about you and getting to know you through the podcast. Yes. So yeah, I totally believe in manifest and it's actually manifesting with words. It's something that I do every morning. Like I post something positive for the community in a few different sectors because people receive information differently. Yes. So I intentionally start my day that way and also end it the same way. So man, just talking <laughs> talking to you and everyone else, I feel like my life is going to change. I'm going to take that and try to practice it. I'm really bad yeah. about creating new habits, but that's amazing. That yeah. sounds really powerful. You can totally do it. You can totally do it. Yeah. Yeah. What powerful tips. Well, okay. How else can we be more like you, Mabel? <laughs> I feel like you guys are already on the way. Like when I met every single one of I didn't get to meet you, Lydia, in person, but I feel like I'm getting to know you right now. Yeah. Like, I feel like you guys are already like on a path, like you are doing something with social media, which is the fastest way to reach people. And I think like people, um, like, you, like you guys said, like women are leading the way, like we've been leading the way the entire time, but now we're getting a little more and more recognition with leading the way. So my main thing is when preparedness reaches, you know, meets opportunity, like great things happen. So mm -hmm. I feel like even that with you guys asking me to be a part of this podcast and inter interview with you, like um, iron sharpens iron. So I feel like mm -hmm. you're going to learn something from me as the same. I'm learning something from you just from speaking with you. So you're already headed on the way. Um, I do believe in planning. I believe in speaking positivity. I believe in speaking exactly what you want. Like nobody knows exactly what you want yes. better than you. So when you speak exactly what you want and then you're willing to put it on paper, like that's the next step. Like put it on paper and then read it out loud so you can hear yourself say, this is what I want. And then you have to think about what actions do I have to take in order to make this happen? Girl, you better say. I can relate. I can, we all, I'm sure all can relate, but I could definitely relate because I didn't realize that until putting stuff down in my journal and then things I yeah. go back and look at, yes. I've accomplished in some way where it's not necessarily exactly what I thought it was going to look like, but it was definitely, you know, like, so I, I feel that that's, uh, that's deep. I'm, I'm sitting here like in awe. <laughs> no, but yeah. it's huge. And I feel like so many people are afraid to make that first step though. Right. To that, like that really honest, statement of what you want or what you see for yourself especially I think as women too like we're taught to like I don't know not reach as assertively or as far as we want and to have like you know I don't know more realistic goals or more moderate goals and that when we reach you know for the top we're like reaching too far but I think yeah be be honest Mm -hmm. Yes. And so the real, so the real honest part about that is like knowing what you love. I feel like don't sign yourself up for something that you don't love to do because you're going to be stuck doing it every single day of your life. So if you can align the things that you love with something that you're going to be stuck doing like a job, mm -hmm. <laughs> then you know that 40 hours a week that you'll be doing something that you love. And then you can figure out what will I do with the rest of my time, which is hopefully opening your own business. And in, in, if that's not the first thing that you chose, so it'd be opening your second business <laughs> and then continuing on figuring out like who you want to help, like the specific group that you want to help. Like I enjoy youth, like I have a passion for helping youth because I think it's important to build leaders when they're very young. Yes. Um, 
Because if you meet, if you have like a group of maybe three or four kids, like there's a leader in that group, if not all four of them being leaders, but there's always going to be one person that's a natural leader. So just the importance of really like seeding into them, telling them that you believe in them, like you can do this, like and putting them in the position where they actually lead those other three people that are in the group, where they're naturally like becoming the leader that they were born to be. So like, I really believe in working with kids. Um, Mm -hmm. It's one of my true passions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very relatable. <laughs> yeah. When we were just talking about some of our work with kids uh, before we started recording, but um, I guess I have two thoughts I want to do. I'll start with a more, not negative, but a, a more challenging one. And then I'll ask a yeah. positive one after that. But um, the first is, have you encountered any barriers in your kind of quest to reach whatever that goal that you were trying to manifest and and how did you overcome those barriers so are you speaking specifically with you just with anyone but we prior we were talking about you know in in the school system and with youth but in any facet of your work mm-hmm. okay so um at one point so i'm i'm spiritually gifted in a, in a way that um when i i can go to sleep one night and then a vision will be put in front of me like as as if there's like an actual piece of paper in front of me Mm -hmm. and like the paper will be as if it's like someone wrote a plan for me and I've never seen it before like and I literally wake up like at random times of the night and write them down like I write it down specifically like people literally take like three months to do this kind of thing but I do it like within like a like I don't know how to that's the best way to say it is like uh, actual piece of paper is put in front of me and then I just copy down what's on it mm. and create a plan. So at one point a vision was given to me with an initiative called COCO and COCO is spelled K-O-C-O and it stands for knocking out childhood obesity. So at one point like that was my entire mission like for 10 straight years that's the only thing I focused on is teaching kids the importance of living a healthy and active lifestyle. And I thought like, okay, parents haven't really been teaching their children because they just have so much going on. It just hasn't been their focus. So my thing was, why don't we teach the kids? And then the kids can go back and teach their families like these fun things that they're learning about nutrition, like ask their mom to buy healthier food because now they've been exposed to it through like my program. And um, they've learned that different things are good. They just hadn't had had exposure at home. And then their parents start to try it. And then their parents are um, inspired to now, can I come get fit with Miss Mabel? Or actually, my name is Sabo in the instruction world. Um, but it's something that <clears throat> it's a big, hot topic. Like, so 2009 is when I introduced it into the community. And I worked in all of the different schools in Erie. I've worked at most of the colleges when it comes to health and wellness. And I specifically, in all of the community centers as well. So I created a plan based on their after-school program or their program that they were doing in school. And my original goal was just to create something that they could implement without me, but each of them wanted to bring me in to be the specific instructor with all of their groups. So I've worked with smaller classes where there may be like 15 people in them, larger classes where there's 75 to 100 students. So the main thing is just keeping them interested, um, encouragement, like encouraging people that maybe you're not the best at this, but you can be if you keep trying. So the nice thing with working with youth for a long period of time is you get to watch them grow, watch them to learn to believe in themselves. 
um, because they kept trying, not that they were the best to begin, but because they never gave up. Like, I think that's uh, the beauty of working with youth, specifically with health and wellness. Now, because my foundation is martial arts, <clears throat> martial arts teaches discipline. So I feel like it's something that everyone needs to learn, specifically children. And the barrier to entry for like classes that we offer or play, other places would offer is always finance. Like it's, um, martial arts is not a, it's not a cheap sport. <laughs> so um, that's why it's always been like our mission to, how can we provide this where money's not an issue? And we like spent all of that 10 years, just our doors were open. We always had clients that paid and we always had clients that were not able to pay. Like the main thing to us is that you show respect when you come here, we're all the same and we're all here to learn. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a barrier to entry for families. Mm -hmm. But if you, you know, when you have a place like us, like the word actually gets out pretty fast mm -hmm. um, about like, cause people will say like, hey, you should bring your child to this program. It's worked wonders for my kid um, with how they feel about themselves. They're not getting into as much trouble at, at school and you know, they're staying active, they're staying fit. And now even I want to do this. That, that's like the story we would hear very often. Um, so it's a good thing, like building community from the ground up at a different point of that program with Cocoa, I integrated a community garden and like the health department seeded into everything that we're doing. They um, gave us the money to purchase everything to start a community garden and then also came to build it on our site. <laughs> so. I incorporated like our workout in the fitness program, specifically summer programs where the kids would learn about nutrition. Um, they would actually pick what we were going to grow for the um, summer, um, the different vegetables, and then they were assigned to different plants. They would learn about the importance of like balanced eating. They learn about the importance of just taking care of what you will eventually be eating and then how that you will be responsible for others to eat. Like if these plants die, then people don't have enough to eat. So just the importance of doing what you've signed yourself up to do, because you picked up that plant, you picked out that plant, you knew that you had to keep it alive for everyone, not just for yourself. So responsibility, um, discipline, and then just learning to love that you can make something happen just by staying committed to something. So it's not about how hard it is. It's about um, the fact that you have to stick to it and never give up. Yes. Wow. Those are great messages. I I'm just like sitting here at awe. Like I can't even, I have nothing. I know. Right. <laughs> just like, okay, keep talking. Just like, talk. right. I'm just like, I have no question. Like just, yes. I'm, I'm wow. Wow. Well, another question that we've been asking some of our guests, um, is like, what makes Erie yours? You know, this idea of like, this is our Erie, yes. um, and kind of reclaiming because I know that there's all these different narratives about what Erie is and it's this dying industrial city and all these other things but like what <laughs> makes it yours what makes you excited to be from Erie living in Erie obviously you said like there's no place like home and you came back here like so tell us kind of what is your Erie so um again I like I have a passion for helping people so my short answer is community. Like, I feel like no one should ever feel alone, that there's someone that's meant to help and to encourage every single person, because we're all different. We all learn different. Like, we all connect to people in a different way. Um, my short answer is definitely community. And 
I can tell you, so I wear different hats, but all of my hats really mesh together. Um, And I'll give you guys a few examples. So I'm in the coffee shop um, today and then even last week. um, People say like, I'm just watching you on Facebook. I want to know how I, you know, I want to know how I can help you more, but I've brought you like bags of gloves and bags of socks. So, um, and then I have people that even that I meet at the coffee shop, they want to know what else do you do? And then they say like, how can I help you there? They literally um, start making donations. I've gotten as low as a hundred dollars and as high as $2,500 just in passing at the cafe Mm -hmm. to support the nonprofit work that I'm doing. But when someone comes to the cafe, this is the beauty of our cafe and the specific location that we're at. I can share them like um, my personal lens. Like when I sit at the cafe, like I have to hold my tears back from the things that I see every single day. Um, I call like my friends outside, like the downtowners, like downtowners are people that just don't have a place to go. And it's just so, so sad. Like some people are like, they're okay with this is how life is and it sometimes I, I just want to shake people like I feel like if I was strong enough to pick people up and just shake them mm-hmm. like to just do better mm-hmm. but there's something going on in some people's minds where they can't control that this is where they would prefer to be yeah. so I'm able to share like all those basic stories like maybe this person walking by this is the only thing that they have They only have what they're wearing and I may see their toes coming out of their shoes or even driving because everything that I do is within a one mile like radius in every direction. Driving home when with the times getting tougher right now, I'll see someone inside of like the bus stop with their cart and then every single piece of clothing that they own is right there with them. And they're trying to cover up and keep away from the rain. Like they would still prefer to be outside instead of a shelter. So it's not because there's no room in the shelter. It's just they feel safer in that place. Mm -hmm. So I can share those stories with people. Like the clothing that you don't want, um, send it over to us. Like you don't want it. There's someone that could actually use it and they would actually appreciate it because they're going to be outside year round because whatever reason, that's their comfort zone. So just the things that I see through the lens, specifically the cafe, because I feel like at Bethany Outreach Center, I'm distributing things, but um, my title says I'm supposed to be in the office at the desk and really not interacting with people. But that's really not me. Like I have to be interacting with people. The beauty of interacting with the people that you serve is you can truly observe like what their needs are and then actually ask them the question. Like, how can I help you? If you never ask the question, how can I help you? Like no matter how good or you think that you're doing, like you may say like, I just want a cup of coffee and then I just keep giving you snacks and subs. Like it to you, you don't feel as if I'm helping you. Or you might say that I might bring you like a whole backpack of clothing and you might say, I just wanted a pillow. But because I never asked the question, like, what is your true need? Like, I'm not really helping you. I'm just feeling good about what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. it's just really important to be in direct connection with whoever you're serving in any category. And for me, like, that's the community at several different levels, but specifically for people that are in need. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that message. 
of like asking people what they need. I think too often in so many different facets of life, whether it's community or individual, or if we're talking racial justice or, you know, combating homelessness or mental health treatment, you know, I think sometimes people are afraid to ask and I don't exactly know why, but yeah, to just ask people, what can I do? What do you need? Not assuming. Cause yeah, the moment you give something to someone that they don't need, then that's not helpful. But sometimes it can be harmful too. Right. If it's like something that is harmful to them and that's not what they wanted. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, Mabel, in this situation, what I'm hearing too from you is like you said, as an executive director, your role is not a role that you would expect you to be out on, on the, I was going to call it the floor because I'm so used to working in, in uh, customer service, but out on, yeah, on the floor, out with people. But the, what I'm hearing from you is pure leadership. And I think what we're missing in leadership is people who are with people on, on the, in, in the, in the reality of it. And it's, I hate, that's why I hate we have shows like, uh, and like I get it, but undercover boss is like, well, you should be out on the floor. There's no way we should be having shows like this if, and there's no way we should be even like, I don't know. It's just, I, I really like that you're, you're painting a picture of what true servant leadership is. And mm -hmm. I appreciate that because that's even the type of people that we need in political spaces, you know, in, in the city, like I'm hearing you do this role mm -hmm. and it's like, you should be in those spaces. Like I'm sitting here like, why? You know, like, I, I mean, I know this is, that's probably not your mission, but you're doing the, the work. And I appreciate you for that because that's people, we, I value people like that in the community. And I'm more like, I want to know about Mabel. I don't care about none of Like, I'm really interested. This is like, I'm like, can you run for a, like, please, like something. Like this. Uh, I, so they've been recruiting me. I've been... <laughs> They've been recruiting me for like several years to run for different offices. I always feel like everything that you sign up for like makes less time for what you truly want to do. So you got to really know what you want to do. My mom's thinking that maybe this is about the time I'd run for something, but not really sure. Um, through the work that I've done throughout my years and then specifically right now, I had an opportunity to re to meet um, Lieutenant Governor Fetterman and his mm -hmm. wife. Um, yeah. They actually came to the center a few weeks ago and they actually served at Bethany. It was the most wonderful experience. And then I would also like to say, so all of the other local officials were also present on this day. And this is all during the pandemic. It was a beautiful thing to watch. Um, Fetterman, like literally serving our people directly he did not stop until we were done with the day of service. Like that's not something that we typically see with um, yeah. politicians and dignitaries. They typically stop by, thank you for what you're doing and, you know, show their appreciation, but to actually see someone in action working and grinding with you from beginning to end, like that really says something different about leadership. <laughs> so that's a beautiful thing. But I feel like, so my space is, um, it's preparing me for something. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I just really love people. Like I said earlier, like the importance of um, being connected with the haves and the importance of staying grounded and connected with the have nots. Like mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful thing to just bring people together. Cause so part of the first mission that I ever wrote on paper was bringing people together from all walks of life to give them something positive to look forward to. 
I feel like that's what I do every single day. Like from the moment I wrote that mission on paper, I've been doing it from the beginning. I only had health and wellness in mind, but you can do the same thing in so many different categories. And then that's what I do every day. So it's been good. I'd say life is good. I love what I do. Mm -hmm. And although people think that I wear too many hats, like they really don't understand that all of my hats really mesh together. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> no. And I, who cares what people say? Shoot, this is your life. Okay. And this is something, that, no, really, I'm just, I'm at the point where I don't, yeah. But no, who cares what people say? Because at the end of the day, like this is fulfilling you and you can clearly feel the joy. So I think that, you know, people will say that, but you know, people, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm so proud of you, like for real. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and I just hope that someday soon, maybe you'll have a, a dream where you see a vision of a piece of paper that says something about like, I don't know, Erie City Council or state <laughs> rep or state mayor, uh, senator or mayor of any, <laughs> so all of it. Uh, so I'm just I'm putting that, I'm manifesting, I'm manifesting that out into the universe. Maybe I will see Mabel Howard's name somewhere and I can support that yeah. in some way. Yeah, uh, awesome. I'll definitely be reaching out to you, ladies, when that decision's made. So good. Make sure you remember. <laughs> oh, oh, I'll remember. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, we'll be checking good. back in with you. Yes. We'll and call Mabel, you every week. Right. Right. And Mabel's also very good at just not just like on the aspect of two, just community. You're very good at your marketing. So, Thank I you. mean, yeah, no, really, you're good at marketing. And I can say that from personal experience because she always posts in our Erie Black Wall Street page. Yay. No, really, like, so I'm grateful for you because I'm like, she's always throwing out the blurbs and I'm, you, girl, you be on top of it. So if anybody <laughs> needs to, they need to go to you for some business support too, some business help too, because you know how to, you know how to do it. The marketing. So, let me tell you a funny thing about marketing. So Recently, so Damon John, the shark Damon, yeah, Damon. <laughs> he's one of my uh, mentors. Yeah, um, he hasn't met me directly, but I've met him, you know, via social media. Um, but he wrote this book called The Power of Broke. Like, and I feel like when I read the book the first time, have you guys read that book before? No, I have not. Okay, no, so power, the power of broke is the importance of never stop grinding. Like, the, you should never stop grinding if you know what you want. You should be working towards it daily. And he talks about like in every single chapter, like what he did before he had money in order to make it. So that's what he talks about throughout the entire book. Like he says that before he became a millionaire, like coming out with like baby fat with his crew, like none of them had money. So I had to figure out like, how do we get these items sold? How do we, um, they started like selling them out of their trunks and everything because there was no social media back then, hmm. but they figured out how to get it. And then they were seen by someone that gave them the next level so it's like using your money and then it's using other people's money so it, he tells you like all the basic things that you can do in order to make it in business without actually having money and i felt like marketing the reason that i actually am going to use the word genius when it comes to marketing is because i spent all my downtime um creating we never had a budget for advertising but we've had a business my entire life so i always had to be the person to figure out how do i get the word out to the people so i learned how to use like word um the word you know the entire word suite <laughs> um and all these different apps like i naturally can learn things really fast because i 
well, part of it is because I have OCD, so everything has to be perfect. <laughs> so when I learned how to master all these different things, I knew exactly how I want my message out. And it's so easy to do that for other people. So always had to do it for ourselves. So I became a master at it because I've been doing it for over 25 years, specifically for our business, whether it's creating a proposal to ask for support for scholarships for students, whether it's asking for $100, asking for $10,000. Like I learned to do that without having a budget at all, like no advertising budget. So now I'm like, I'm the individual that people meet me and they want to hire me for their marketing positions, which is actually okay. Like I would totally do that if I didn't want to be involved directly with people, but you know. <laughs> I understand, I understand. What keeps you, cause I, I'm, I'm hearing you seem, you're very grounded in knowing what you want and not really swaying on any, on any end. You're like, okay, I have a plan. This is my plan. What really keeps you grounded in that and keeping you like on the mission, your mission. And this is, you know. So I plan things out. Like I plan out my week. I plan out my regimen. So things can move around in my regimen that meet like a specific requirement. So um, I always have my work day. I start my day off now at Bethany. At pre-COVID, I started off at the cafe, but things have changed. So right now, I start my day off at Bethany. I know that after work now, I no longer work at the school, so I have extra time. So most recently, I started a happy hour at the cafe. So like, I want to rebuild our business knowing that right now, it's not good for us to be open every single day, all day, like based on the people coming through, but let me let people know that we're here. So we, I started a happy hour um, at the end of my workday at Bethany. So for an hour and 15 minutes, I go to the cafe and um, I'm marketing that as the sweetest hour of the day, come down and get your sweets. And then um, at the end of the day, I teach um, personal training or fitness to very, you know, a select group of people, which I'm working on a different project you'll hear about um, very soon. <laughs> and then I have in my brain way too much energy left after that. So, so the rest of the day, I, I felt like it's free time. Now you can do anything that makes you happy, Mabel. And marketing makes me happy. So if, you know, Erie Black Wall Street is seeing these random posts that come in at like one, two and three in the morning, it's because I can't go to sleep. <laughs> I can't go to sleep. I got to figure out how do I get people to call me during the time I can answer the phone or get to their emails. And um, the best time to do that is when people are sleeping. As soon as they wake up, they're going to see my marketing message and post. And the best people, best um, time to get people is at the beginning of their day. So at least if they read the message, they can decide, is this something I want today, tomorrow, or, you know, before the end of the week? So yeah. I feel like um, the thing I've been most disciplined with is I don't let people into my space, like my personal time, like my personal, the downtime that I consider downtime is like at home. Yeah. The reason that I get so much done is because I don't let you into that space unless you're helping me to grow a part of my beginning of the day. Mm. So if you're if you're not helping me with Bethany, if you're not helping me with the cafe and you're not helping me with Mabel, like I have a business is actually called Mabel and the acronym is M-A-B-E-L and it stands for Mind and Body Education Link. Like if you're not helping me in one of those three sectors, then you can't be a part of me time. And my me time has recently um, extended because of COVID-19. So the beauty of that for me is it's given me an opportunity to do things that I don't typically get to do for business. Um, even most recently, I was able to secure two grants for my business where 
I'm actually a grant writer, so I'm gifted at writing, um, but I don't have the time at, <laughs> to write grants, but I was recently approved for two different grants for my business. So very excited about those doors that are going to be open. Yes, uh... I think that was a long answer to the short one that I don't let people into my downtime that are not going to help me further all of my missions. No, it's great. You, I like this. I like that. That was a good way. To <laughs> no, that was really great. Yeah, that was a very good, you painted the picture and then you let us know. I like that. Yeah. yeah. It, well, it made me think too, that uh, we all got some, some of the sweetest, yes. we got some sweets. Yes. Could uh, all kind of talk about our favorite sweets. I know Marty kind of talked about her favorite already, but we can talk <laughs> a little bit more. I have to admit, uh, when my husband Buster brought the sweets home, usually I wait until like we're on the podcast to start eating, but I did <laughs> not resist. <laughs> he was like going through all the different, like the pecan, apple, caramel, cake. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, heaven. Yes, oh, I have mine right here. So, oh, so no. anyone have oh, other favorites to share or yes. <laughs> yes. they want to munch on? So this is my first time actually having this is so exciting to see people live yes. like eating desserts. <laughs> I mean, do it's like a mukbang. Do you want me to start eating like, oh my God, y'all seen those before on YouTube? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the, yes, like, okay. So I have no idea <laughs> first, but I, I really, okay. So this one right here on the corner, you said this is the caramel, right? Um, well, there's two different caramels. One's a pie. Okay. That's a caramel apple cheesecake. Oh yeah, girl. <laughs> yes I, I i think each of your boxes are a little tiny bit different like i put one extra thing mm. in each person's box so. mm. yeah this caramel apple cheese cake this everything is so good yeah okay. um, i won't do this the whole time but yeah this is good very very good mm -hmm. so how i, I just want to ask a question with you like so i always wonder like when people order like a dessert boxes like how do they decide where to start <laughs> like how do you decide which piece you want to start with because hmm, that's a good question <laughs> see I had my bits earlier so I was busy today and I was like I'm just gonna eat my favorite the banana bread and a cookie mm -hmm. and I don't currently have the box in front of me but when I get to it I plan on having the cobbler first yeah. so I don't think I've actually had peach cobbler I don't know how this has happened but I'm how's that happened <laughs> yeah. Marty, you are too old to not have had peach cobbler <laughs> oh I'm gonna yes, be Marty. I didn't, I didn't agree with the old part, but you know, <laughs> but, Listen. Uh, this is what I hear people do. Everybody does things differently, but I hear people chop most of our desserts with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. So Ooh. if you guys got some ice cream, make sure you put a scoop on top of one of those items and you'll be in heaven. They're not already gone already. I, <laughs> I, li I literally have, I, when I got the, when I saw the peach cobbler, I was like, oh my God, I need ice cream. And that's literally, but I don't have ice cream here, but I'm going to still tear it up because I know <laughs> I love peach cobbler. I looked at the cookies because I'm a big chocolate chip cookie fan. Mm -hmm. um, and where yours look, they're very like fluffy. I like mine big. So this is like, I'm excited to eat chocolate chip cookies with some almond milk because I can't awesome. eat it. Oh, yeah, I like the almond milk. <laughs> oh, yes. I like to dunk it in where it's a little moist. I'm sorry. That's a weird, but that <laughs> <They're perfect. laughs> I love that. <laughs> I like to warm my chocolate chip cookies back up. So I'm definitely going to be putting them in the oven. Okay. Very awesome. This is what something I must make sure everybody knows is so with our business, I always say that 
my mom's the maker and I'm the marketer. So thank her for all those sweet goods in front of you. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good team. The last time Mama. I bought some of that banana bread um, was at the farmer's market that they were doing yeah. on State Street. And I bought it from your yeah. mom. She's like, be careful now. Don't eat the whole bread <laughs> in one thing. <laughs> I appreciate the warning. Because it's true, though. Some of these foods, if you're not careful, you'll eat it all i'm my a bread mom, lover yeah my mom she does like this experiment where she'll gift like someone a loaf of bread and then she'll always say please share this with your family or someone else and then she'll always ask someone else that's someone else with these people like how'd you you know what'd you think about the bread and they'll be like oh i never got a piece <laughs> so it's like she gives the bread away and then the people won't share it with other people <laughs> they keep it to themselves yeah. so. I, mean, I feel like that's a compliment yeah, it is a compliment. <laughs> but yeah. That's my mom probably upset, it. though. <laughs> I can't. The packaging is great, too. I think it's very convenient. So I love it. I'm Thank all about you. conveniency. Yeah. The, um, so interesting that, so a few things about COVID-19. So COVID-19 yes. has, with our business, the Cafe 710, mm -hmm. um, it changed everything about our business. So before you could come in and get, our goal was just to serve like an incredible piece of dessert with a cup of coffee. And we decided, okay, no one's really downtown that's spending money right now because of COVID. So I came up with the idea of the dessert boxes. So we have these dessert boxes, Stalma's Gourmet Dessert Boxes. My mom's name is Stalma. So we knew that our average dollar sale, it used to be about $5 per person. So the goal was to increase the average dollar sale, knowing that we're going to see less people. So that was the birth of the dessert boxes. So to give everyone an assortment, you know, of gourmet baked items, and then they can select what they want more of the next round that they come in. And that's what helped to keep our doors open during COVID-19, along with, um, Marty had mentioned earlier, um, the farmer's markets. Wow, I just, want, I just want to say thank you to farmer's markets as an opportunity for the summer, because without them, I felt like all the businesses that were present at farmer's markets probably would have closed like you were able to make that much income from participating from those farmers markets so um thank you to the farmers markets and everyone that hosted one <laughs> we yes. pretty much visited all of them in the city and it was really good for us because now all those people that we would never run into like in northeast and all these different places um they now contact us for their holiday treats so we were able to make those connections and they went directly to our page and I guess they're thinking God have more. So <laughs> oh, dope. I love it. Um, um yes. <laughs> I love that. This whole conversation has been just so positive. I really appreciate I it. It has. Oh. It really has. Like I want us to keep going, but I mean that would be like the longest episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we probably keep going on that, I know. I think our fatal flaw is like we just love people so much. And I know. We've been so blessed to talk to like amazing people like Mabel, where we're just like, Aww. okay, I could listen to you all day long. <laughs> Please. Well, you guys make it so easy. Like you make it so easy because one, so I can see that you guys are the future as well. So it's like anything that I can do to inspire these ladies, like I want to be a part of that. So yes. that's well, really simple. You. That is an honor. <laughs> I love that. No, that's, I love that. Thank you so much. I, I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful that you are, well, we are grateful that you are. Uh, on the show here today with us yeah. and I feel like this is obviously not the last time we're going to see you no I promise that it won't be one last time where can folks find you at where can they donate where can they pick up their delicious bakery? yes 
Okay. Hmm. This will be the longest answer ever, right? <laughs> say, say. So for desserts, you can find us at Cafe 710. Cafe 710 is a small business located in downtown Erie, um, located next to the Erie Playhouse. We are at 7 West 10th Street, and you can reach us at 814-737-7968. Or remember to join our Facebook page. That's the best way to get close to the treats before you get a chance to eat them. Yes. So <laughs> on the other side, uh, Bethany Outreach Center, you can visit us online. Um, Bethany Outreach Center is located at 254 East 10th Street in the Lower East Side neighborhood. We focus specifically on the Lower East Side, but we serve everyone that comes to our doors that is in need. Um, you can reach us online at www.bethanyoutreachcenter.org and all the information that you would need would be there. You can contribute financially or you can also um, contribute by donating clothing or food. Um, specifically with clothes right now, we're looking for winter socks to just help every person that is outside that's not able to go inside and anywhere. Um, cover their feet and keep them warm for the winter. And then clothing, like we always have a shortage of men's clothing. So if there's any men out there listening, get your clothes over to Bethany Outreach Center. We just want the ones that you shouldn't be wearing anymore. So yes. somebody's waiting for them. <laughs> yeah. The ones you've been wearing in your closet for six, that been sitting there for six months. Bring them on now, bring them yes. on. Bring them, bring them, bring them. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. A pleasure to get to know you all better. And I look forward to um, helping you grow and us also helping each other to grow. So iron sharpens the iron. You've been listening to the Our Area Podcast, the voice of reason in the fog of post-industrial America. Next week, we're going to talk about self-care and how we've been managing stress and living life during quarantine. Continue the conversation on Facebook slash Our Eerie Series. This podcast is produced by John C. Lyons, Marty Wachuku, Ivana Paisley, and Lydia Lay. Funding provided by Erie Arts and Culture. Music by Corey Cook. We appreciate you for listening to Our Eerie Podcast. Peace.